Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This podcast is sponsored by SaneBox.com. Take control of your email. Dig out from that bazillion emails in your email box you never get through with SaneBox.com. I will explain all the details coming up. But speaking of details, Jenna Liffitz has a great post at the Weekly Standard today about details we're discovering about the Iran non-hostage swap of non-hostage hostage what did we call it at the time i'm trying to remember prisoner swap the prisoner swap yes so uh, back us up tell us the story as we used to know it when it happened sure so politico had a great post today illuminating yet another aspect of this medley of deals <laughs> negotiated by the obama administration to include this prisoner swap so in January of 2016, President Obama, then President Obama, announced that we had negotiated a deal with Iran where we were getting back five Americans and we were giving them uh, seven, what he called sanctions violators at the time, seven Iranians that were uh, not not involved in terrorism. Um, so President Obama downplayed the concession that the U.S. was granting because today we learned that. There were another 14 fugitives involved, so Iranian fugitives. So we knew there were 21 at the time. We didn't know that these 14 guys were involved in serious proliferation attempts and efforts. What um, do you mean by serious proliferation? Or, or procurement, procurement efforts. Okay. So, so for example, uh, one of one of the men involved was being heavily monitored by officials in Boston. He had attempted to uh, smuggle dual-use nuclear technology from the U.S. to Iran for years, from 2005 to 2012. And he is someone who had deep insider knowledge about attempts by Iran to procure illicit material. For example, they often try to procure material for ballistic missiles and things like that. So to put this in terms that someone like me can understand, He's the guy in the Mission Impossible movies who is between the bad guys, who knows, like the the infamous arms dealer, weapon dealer, technology dealer. He's the wheeler dealer in between who says, oh, you want this piece of this kind of missile. I happen to know someone who makes a kind of missile, and he puts it all together. Right. And he's now walking around free. Right. So these seven individuals that Obama talked about in January were released. Um, they were, right, they were released. And the other 14... They had international uh, warrants out for their arrest, and those are now dropped, or the charges against them are dropped. So once again, they're just walking around free. Yes. 21 bad actors from various levels of bad acting, and they're walking around free as part of this uh, non-hostage prisoner swap thing. You mentioned that it reminded you of what we found out about the cash that was exchanged on that infamous day as well. And everything else that it's just a slow trickle of information and the inf- the administration would not concede that these things were linked, even these three deals, the first being this prisoner swap, the release of uh, these Iranians, the second being the $1.7 billion, which we did not know at the time that it was made in cash flown to Iran on pallets touched down in Iran um, after the Americans took off. So that $1.7 billion is 
according to the Obama administration, for a financial settlement unrelated to the prisoner exchange. Completely. Yeah. The fact that it was on a plane in cash on pallets from denominations of other countries' currency, and it just happened to be available right after our hostages, our prisoners were swapped. Completely coincidental. Yes, and there's a third one, uh, which got a little bit less play, but is equally as important, which is Bank Sepa um, and another similar bank to Iranian banks that are critical to the country's missile program. Right. Sanctions were, uh, we agreed to lift sanctions on them. So we have procurers roaming around and banks who want to help fund the procuring and the sanctions on those banks are gone. Yes. And those banks now have $1.7 billion of our money with which to do procuring. In cash. But it has nothing to do with us. General Liffitz, hold that thought, because I've got a question for you about a theory that I've been working on for a while. First, though, i got to do a shout-out to our sponsor, SaneBox.com. How many emails do you have in your inbox right now? A hundred? A thousand? Twenty thousand? If your email is anything like mine used to be, the answer is way too many. But even though I knew I wanted to do something about it, I didn't know how. I was afraid of missing important emails if I just went through and started randomly deleting them. But there were too many for me to go through one at a time. Then I discovered the secret to reaching Inbox Zero and taking back my email sanity. It's called SaneBox.com. SaneBox sorts through your email, moves all the trivial stuff to a different folder, so the only messages when you look in your inbox are the messages you want to see there. Aside from removing the junk so you can focus on the messages that matter, there's also a great feature called the black hole. Move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from that sender again. That's right. I'll let your imagination run free with that for a second. Look, we could all use more organization in our email life, and so we've worked out a great deal for our listeners. Visit SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard today. Not only can you try it for two weeks absolutely free, but they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top. You don't even have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy, and I predict you will. So there's really nothing to lose. Check it out today. Let me know if you love the black hole and reaching inbox zero as much as I do. That's SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard for your two-week free trial and a $25 credit. SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. Okay, Jenna, I want to ask you, there's a theory going around, and it's going around because I keep saying it every time I can. The, the person who's have, having the worst 100 days isn't Donald Trump. It's President Obama, because we just keep finding out that we knew the Syrians still had chemical weapons. We we knew that, you know, these deals. Do you agree that the Obama legacy is not having a very good you know period here early on in his post presidency? I think that the public trust in the statements that the Obama administration made, especially as they relate to Iran, the nuclear deal, the concessions that mm. they made at the time in secret, the public trust is really decreasing. Mm. And to the point where you could draw a comparison with what happened with Chairman Nunes a few weeks ago, um, or was it two months ago? Everything's <laughs> all in, in Trump's world, time yeah. doesn't move at the same speed. So, yeah. but, but so you know, they they made these claims that. On the surface, they could claim to be true, but I'm talking about the Obama administration. Sure. In the end, they didn't give the full account. Right. So the holistic picture ends up looking sure. like a total deception of the attempt to deceive the public in mm -hmm. order to secure this deal and secure their legacy, mm -hmm. say that uh, they got rid of the nuclear weapons, Iran can't get nuclear weapons. Sure. But in the end, I mean... 
Who do you trust? Right. And and we gave them so much and we didn't say the administration didn't say the extent to which we were giving them all these concessions. And our Weekly Standard colleague, Lee Smith, insists that if you follow any Obama era foreign policy story from the from the second term back to its root, it goes back to the Iran deal. Whether mm-hmm. it's letting Russia push around Ukraine without getting aras- aggressive, et cetera, that they just the goal was so much we have to make the Iran deal happen that everything else fell away. Does do, do the things we're finding out now tend to back up that theory? Absolutely, and I think it's going to be a continuous trickle of revelations because if you think about it, we still don't know whether the three things I listed before, mm-hmm. the prisoner swap, the bank SAPA, and the $1.7 billion, whether that was the full extent of exactly. what Iran got. There could have been mm-hmm. more nuclear concessions. There were side agreements right. that we still don't even have full mm-hmm. access to because they're locked away in secure facilities on the Hill. And to be uh, brutally cynical about it, you could argue that there are dead people in Syria now because we wouldn't do what President Trump showed we could have done it at any point. We could have delivered a setback against Assad's willingness to use chemical weapons with a missile strike. We never made the missile strike, and many people think the reason we didn't take that next step was to keep the Iran deal in play, Iran backing up Assad. That's that's not a that's not a good legacy for a president to leave behind. Right, and I know that there are sources on the Hill and um, in various think tanks in D.C. who are really hoping that Trump does what Obama would not do in terms of Iran as well. Uh, Slap more sanctions on Iran for its non-nuclear activities, perhaps even designate the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. And as it relates to this political article, allow the Justice Department to continue its investigations into Iranian procurement efforts Mm -hmm. because those were definitely delayed and slowed under Obama. And let's conclude with this, because I think it's an underreported story. People think about, do you have to stick with the Iran deal? We just had the announcement from the White House that Iran is maintaining its agreements on the nuclear part, we believe, et cetera. But there are so many other areas, whether it's ballistic missile testing and the other and, and, and backing terrorism. There's a lot the United States can do that doesn't even involve technically the Iran deal. Yes. Secretary Tillerson made that point last week, except he said that we should tie it all together. The reason the nuclear nuclear deal is deficient is because it doesn't address all of these other areas where Iran is expanding its influence, and it sunsets. It ends uh, in 8 or 10 or 13 years. So we will see where the administration goes with that. Jenna Lippitz, you always do a great job. Love having you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Daily Standard podcast every weekday from the Weekly Standard. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com or Google Play. Give us a five-star rating. Let people know you found out about it. Leave a review. We want to hear from you. And don't forget, every Friday, it's the Crystal Clear edition of the podcast with Bill Crystal. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Michael Graham.